You're listening to Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold myself as mayor and as a family man. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. Is it too late now to say sorry? I'm deeply sorry, and I apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto. Most of all, is it too late now to say sorry? Most of all, I apologize to my wife Barb and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. 7.37 on Toronto Today. That press conference happened uh, on the Friday of Super Bowl weekend one year ago, February 10th. So technically, tomorrow's the anniversary. Important to know, that music was not playing underneath him during the actual original apology. He's not a wrestler. That was an intro music. I just wanted to get that straight. It's time to get into Think Tank. 640 Toronto presents Think Tank. The breaking stories you care about. Facts and opinions that get you through the day. Now, let's meet the guests. Okay, let's do that there. But for the grace of God, hopefully uh, the tears of uh, laughter are being uh, wiped away cleanly by our next uh, two uh, panelists. Roy Green, host of the Roy Green Show, joins us on Toronto Today. It's always great to have you. I can't wait to listen to your show tomorrow. How are you going to fit all this in? This news cycle is mad the last couple of days, Roy. Yeah, it's extremely challenging. But we'll have a, we'll have a go at it and we'll have fun with it. And uh, get a lot of information on the air as well. Greg, thank you, and good morning, Ben. Good morning, and yes, Ben Mulrooney, who will host uh, Toronto this weekend, uh, tomorrow between 7 and 10, on the actual anniversary of John Tory's um, timely, untimely departure. It was a departure either way, Ben, and you get the anniversary show. Uh, <laughs> I feel privileged. <laughs> Actually, I do feel privileged to be here with you, Greg, and with you, Roy. Thanks so much. Absolutely, uh, 100%. Roy, Roy, your show's so busy, I would cancel that Super Bowl guest uh, that you have on Sunday around <laughs> 4 o'clock. That guy, Not a chance. enough yap, yap, yap from that guy. Let's start with the Tory front. Um, ben, uh, you're a uh, Torontonian, and you remember this moment well. Do you think Toronto's forgiven John Tory? Or are they still a little bit like, oh, my goodness, we voted for you in overwhelming numbers? Uh, and you let us down months into what was supposed to be a, a real recovery period for this city post the pandemic. Yeah, I don't feel I mean, all of my evidence is anecdotal and I don't feel uh, any animosity or disappointment in uh, him on a daily basis. I think if people sit and reflect, they probably feel uh, that, uh, that he could have fought. And I know a number of people uh, still feel uh, that um, that were he in office, we might be in a different position today. Ah, that's some Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, but, you know, this, this idea that um, that he could have held office, I think, uh, downplays sort of the um, the the political atmosphere and the the, the sense of, um, of of political um, activism that exists today. He would have faced um, crushing and very loud protests by sort of that outrage culture that still exists and permeates debate uh, wherever we go. There would have been people who have, who would have felt hanging on to office was a bridge too far. Shame on him. How dare you? You used your power to exert some sort of undue influence over this person that you had a relationship with. And that would have followed him wherever he went. I think it lets the public off the hook. I think he recognized that. He saw the field mm. uh, to bring the Super Bowl into the imagery and um, mm. and decided that he, he could not do his job. Roy, pe people like you, uh, Ben, myself, were all political junkies. But I'll tell you, Canada, Ontario, even the cities in Ontario 
were really thin on scandal. That's why Rob Ford was so dramatic for us for those several years that he was mayor. But we tend not to have it with our prime ministers, our premiers. Um, this was very un-Canadian. We see it in the States all the time. We see it in European countries all the time. But a um, an infidelity scandal costing you know a major politician his job doesn't happen too often in Canada. Greg, imagine this. A Canadian politician with ethical challenges. When has that ever happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <it's laughs> oh, yeah. Look, John Tory could return to political office if he's elected. He could return to the political arena and resume his career, I think, now without much of a hitch. Donald Trump has a path to the White House. Fifty years ago, you committed infidelity, you committed an ethical lapse, you're done. Your career is over. Find something else to do. Be entitled to your entitlements. But today, this is 2024. If John Tory decided to return to the political arena, the door's open. Let me make the case with you, Roy, and then I'll come to Ben. What I'm if someone said to me, what am I most angry about? It was pandemic restrictions. Stay at home. Cancel your weddings. Don't see your ailing loved ones in hospitals. And all this is happening with a staffer while traveling, well behind the scenes of a marriage. Everybody's marriage is their own business. But on the public dime, when you're locking people down, Roy, I got a big problem with it. And it's never been properly explained or justified. No, and it's, he's not the only one. I mean, you nope. can look across the country. This happened right across Canada. But I think we're now beyond that. And it would be a concern. It would be debated, would be talked about. But I still believe he would be has an open door to return to the political arena. If he were to make a mistake or a stumble during a campaign, different story. But if he wants to come back, I think the I think it's available to him. We'd have quite the drama, Ben, wouldn't we, in uh, 2026 if we had a 73-year-old John Tory running against Olivia Chow, wouldn't we? Well, uh, yeah. Listen, uh, <laughs> I, he's, he, I, I, I've, I've met and spent a lot of time with John Tory. The, the, the cognitive decline argument I don't believe applies to him. I think he's as sharp today as he ever has. And there's a well of, of goodwill out there for him, at least, like I said, anecdotally. Um, regardless of where we are in time, people root for somebody who has mm. fallen. You know, I don't think we appreciate the, the rise unless there has been a fall. And he has definitely uh, taken accountability for it and moved on. The city has has paid the price as well. So I don't think he's off the hook on that. I mean, it was an mm-hmm. expensive by-election, that's for sure. But um, And it gets more expensive by the day with each decision that the, the mayor makes these days. Um, but no, I think I think because he has left, because he resigned, uh, it's, it's the narrative that we in Western society mm-hmm. love. We love rooting for somebody who has fallen. And it's the same thing with Tiger Woods. Nobody really wanted to cheer for him until he, everything had been stripped away. And then once that happened, we were able to get behind him again. And so uh, this, is, this is more of that. Interesting analogy there. Yeah, I see that. Um, all right, let's move to Joe Biden. And I, I want to play this from uh, last night's news conference, hastily called um, the White House media. We're at the Pentagon for something different. They had to hustle it back to the Oval Office. It was Joe Biden reacting to the special counsel's report on uh, classified documents. But it was more about the age, the cognitive issues. Here's some of what he said last night. I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. 
some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of... Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away. Passed away. That was uh, last night. He, Roy, he was emotional. He lashed out at some of the passages. The special counsel noted he couldn't remember the years he was vice president, which was 09 to 17. He couldn't remember even within several years when his son Bo died. Um, you and I have seen politicians try and hang on. I think we'd agree Ronald Reagan wouldn't have been best served had, had he been able to serve a third term. We really, again, there's another Canadian issue. We really haven't had cognitive questions about anybody for from John Diefenbaker to Pierre Elliott Trudeau, we really haven't had those questions. This is a massive thing the Democrats have to decide here. Can he be their guy, not just to run against Trump, but to be president the next half decade until he's 87? Yeah, no question. Biden's memory will be as much of a political issue heading toward November as are Trump's legal challenges. Again, you listen to Biden and you'll hear verbal stumbles, the hesitation, his forgetfulness. Last week in a, at an event, the president spoke about having had his picture taken minutes earlier with a congresswoman who was, in fact, in Washington. Look, leaving out that he couldn't remember the year of his son Bo's death, mm. and I empathize with him, or the years that he served as vice president to Barack Obama. He did it again last evening, angrily defending his memory, and he had Egypt's president, El Sisi, as president of Mexico. Um, this is, And he's also claimed to have had met meetings with long-dead politicians. And Greg, he avoided for his second year, a gimme Super Bowl interview yeah. presidents have engaged in. Can you imagine a debate between Biden and Trump and Trump's handlers will prep him with questions designed to strain Biden's memory? I think this is going to be a major issue heading toward November. And the Democratic Party has a decision to make. Mr. Biden has a decision to make or American voters will make it for them. Ben, my wife and I were talking about it last night. What's the first step? And I said, I, I do think we need to see a prominent Democrat call for him not to run. But who's going to who wants to be the first to jump off that off that diving board? I don't know who it is. Well, I think they've decided as a, as a party that the power of incumbency is greater than the flaw of this man's memory. Look, they've, and they've known since he ran the first time that he was not uh, the, the Joe Biden of old. And he's just old Joe Biden. And um, the, 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 the they, my brother called it years ago. He said uh, once he got elected, if they had been able to plan for the future, if they knew that this is what they were going to be mm-hmm. dealing with, he should have announced very early on in his presidency that he would not be seeking a second term. And they, he didn't do it. They didn't do it. This is the bed that they have made. They have to lie in it. That I, I think it's I personally think it's too late for a Gavin Newsom uh, or, or another prominent Democrat to, to take the mantle. I think we're well past that. And um, and you're right. It's going to be the Roy. You're absolutely right. It's going to be the legal challenges of Donald Trump versus the failing memory of this man. I will I will um, defend him to a certain extent that uh, I was reading that these um, uh, these conversations did take place in uh, the days after October 7th. He had a lot on That's his right. plate, but but the president the president always has a lot on his plate. I mean, uh, in in a different way, you know, I, I I witnessed how much my father had to deal with on a daily basis, and and if you are not up to the challenge, as simple as that, not everybody is up to the challenge. Um, he may not just be he's not ready for prime time anymore. I think I I so I think they're going to pull him, Ben. I do. I don't know how it happens, but I don't think he's the nominee. Roy, what do you think? Yeah, the manager's coming out to the mound. 
Well, we don't know who that manager. <laughs> like we're going to the bullpen. Do you realize I I had to look on uh, betting odds last night? The uh, the second the second best odd, Biden is still the favorite, but now it's like about a seventy percent favorite to be the nominee. Michelle Obama is exactly. at about twenty two percent. Can you exactly. believe that? I do that's believe. So that's a wish list. That's, that's not based in fact. Yeah, but it's not. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. And you wouldn't watch Nothing that debate, Ben? Uh, uh, arena. Yeah, we we want to bring uh, ratings back to network television. We're going to get it with a Michelle Obama Donald Trump presidential debate. Believe me. Oh, I, I agree. And the imagery of having um, uh, a, a black woman as the presidential candidate and a black Indian woman as a vice presidential candidate, that's a hell of a ticket. We've never seen that before. And that's the, uh, I mean, that the Democrats would love to have that. But the process by mm. which you do that, I have no idea. And it, like I said, I mean, November uh, is a stone's throw away. And uh, I don't know if they can get their ducks in a row. Let, let me slide to something I wasn't uh, going to ask you, but I, I know you both can handle it. Roy, I know it's get, it, term limits, age limits, I should say, has gotten discussed before. I'm not for them because I've seen really sharp 80-year-olds um, be able to handle um, uh, an interview. John Cretchen was making the rounds. Just He's 90. Now, I'm not saying John Cretchen should run at 90, but I think we all would recognize from people we know, our parents, um, uh, age is just a number. I wouldn't want to limit it via age. Cognitive ability, doctor's tests, those are different things. Yeah, uh, age is, is a factor, mm-hmm. but it depends on the individual, and I would agree with you. There should not be an age limit to run for political office. If you know how to do it, if you know the job, if you have the best interest of your constituents at heart, and if you're capable of doing the work, there's a lot of work. I know Ben's father worked extremely hard at that job. And when your popularity is challenged, it's a tough thing to come back from. But age should not be the determinant ever. Ben, should there be an age limit for politicians ever? Look, there are age limits that are in place for lots of different professions. I mean, airline pilots, Truck drivers, nurses, they're all in danger of losing their jobs um, because cognitive uh, ability and uh, is, 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 mm. has to be at the top of the list for those things. This is the most important job in the world by a lot of metrics. I, uh, you know, these, these are decisions that affect millions and hundreds of millions of people uh, in the United States and billions of people around the world. I, I, I don't think it should be off the table. And don't forget, we are getting older. We are extending our lives, and we are not extending necessarily the quality of those lives. The technology mm-hmm. is not kept, kept up with our ability to keep ourselves alive. And so, I mean, the chance an 84-year-old was going to get elected 50 years ago was almost impossible. And now you see what we've got uh, on this year's ticket. Yeah, but, but ben, keep, keep in, ben, keep in mind that there are two terms. There's term limits in the United States for president. So when you run for your first term, you're, you're at a certain age, you're, you've reached a certain age, so you know what you're going to be, how old you're going to be after eight years, if you get elected a second time. So that should all be factored in at the beginning, and that's where the parties have a responsibility as well. And the Democrats saw an opportunity in uh, 2020 to remove uh, Donald Trump. They went with Biden, and now they have what they have. They should have known what was going to be happening, as you said earlier. They knew what was coming their way. It should really be term limits more than age. And, you know, yeah, pilots, but, but, have been, pilots have been told you have to retire at 60. That went to court, and the courts overturned the mandatory re- retirement age for pilots. 
See, but it's not necessarily that. Maybe maybe this has to be a policy for the parties as opposed to mm. a, 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 a legal yeah, issue. Just be smart but about it. Is, but the fact is that the cognitive ability uh, doesn't fall off mathematically. It falls off when it falls off, and sometimes it can happen over years, and sometimes it can happen immediately. And so, you know, knowing that somebody is a certain age when they get elected doesn't mean, okay, we could track their cognitive decline over time. It's just going to fall off when it falls off. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're saying that age should be a determinant, then age becomes the determinant in many people's minds. So that should be a factor when you're first elected for that. It is a decision for the party and the candidate. They have to have very serious conversations about it. Where will we be in four years? Where will you be in four years? And can you survive for eight years? Simple questions, difficult answers. I think, guys, they've put up so many polls asking, would you prefer that, that the nominees be a Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis? And I, and I see those polls, at least on, on the X platform, say, oh, yeah, I wish that was our choice. And yet, and yet, um, they had the, the Republicans, Roy, had their opportunity, and they outright rejected DeSantis in favor of that's, Trump. That's, you know what, uh, Greg, that surprised me. Yeah. I thought DeSantis was doing, going to do a lot better than he did. But yeah. Trump has a tremendously strong and committed base in that party. Um, I want to ask you about, let's go to age. Uh, 71-year-old Vladimir Putin sat down oh, with Tucker, <laughs> Tucker Carlson last night. And Vladimir Putin, by the way, all these rumors, uh, he's not feeling well. They're hiding him. He controlled the interview. And Ben, Roy, myself, I'm sure we've all had moments where we're like, oh, I could have done better. That was a bit of a missed opportunity. I don't know how Tucker Carlson doesn't feel that way. Maybe he got all the clicks that he wanted from the interview. We're talking about it right now. But, Roy, that's that's Putin at his absolute power, and it's why he's where he is. You don't have to respect the, the policy. You don't have to respect the man to understand he just dominated that interview. I didn't get much from it because Putin dominated it. Yeah, I haven't actually watched the whole thing. I will later on this morning, but I was reading accounts. But Putin had issues holding his leg still during the interview, and he had some coughing issues. But that aside, look, I've aired over 100,000 interviews, including one with Ben's dad, which generated national headlines. But we'll leave that to the side for the, for the moment. But, and I enjoyed the conversation with your father, Ben. Uh, we one-on-one, uh, one-on-one for an hour. Uh, so, look, Carlson wanted the interview. And the critiques that I've heard is that Carlson did not really conduct an interview. He allowed Putin to dominate the two hours. He didn't press the Russian president on Russian missiles targeting Ukraine civilian infrastructure like hospitals and apartment buildings or the war crimes committed in Ukraine communities like Bucha uh, or Bucha. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. Uh, Look, Carlson also claimed that he's the only Western journalist to have sought an interview with Putin. That was immediately refuted by Western news organizations. Yeah, from what I've been reading and what I can see, Putin won this one. Carlson got the interview he wanted, and uh, Putin won the interview. So I guess they both went away with a handshake and a smile. Ben, anything from it? And and, and I, I defend Carl. I don't have to love uh, anything or everything about Tucker Carlson, but but I defend the right. We've for a, That's part of democracy is you go and you interview Saddam Hussein and you find out what he's thinking. You go in the interview Muammar Gaddafi and find out what he – I got no problem with the interview, but yeah. I think there's there was limited pushback by Carlson here from what I saw, the, the segments yeah. I saw. Well, look, uh, you know, if, if, if you if you believe that no Western – a journalist has interviewed uh, Vladimir Putin, then you still have to believe that no Western journalist has interviewed Putin because Tucker Carlson is not a journalist. And we know that because Fox News, his previous employer, said as much 
in court when they were uh, when they were defending themselves uh, in the um, uh, just a few months mm-hmm. ago. Uh, they they said that he's <laughs> that he's an over the top opinion guy, and um, and this is and what you have to remember is that ten years ago Vladimir Putin stunned the world by speaking perfect English. Uh, in an interview, nobody knew that he spoke English that well. They thought the only reason that he spoke, mm-hmm. uh, he always spoke in, in Russian, was because he was limited by his abilities in English. That is not mm-hmm. the case. In this interview, he was uh, speaking through a translator. That gives you a lot of time to think of the answers. Um, and mm-hmm. and I believe in the um, in the uh, Twitter interview, uh, that those 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 moments, but those gaps between question and answer were um, were edited out. Um, and quite a hockey player as well. Have you seen some of the goals he scores in those games in Russia? I mean, he just just dazzles those goalies. I don't know. You know they, I can't. All, they, all I remember is the shirt, the shirtless <laughs> Vladimir Putin atop a horse. Yeah, um, I, I hesitate sometimes in talking about the media landscape, um, but yesterday was a really dark day. Bell Canada announced they'll cut 4,800 jobs across the country. But I want to get your reaction to is the um, is the emphasis that B.C. Premier David Eby put on this. Here's what, some of what he said. Bell and corporations like Bell have overseen the assembly of local media assets that are treasures to local communities. Uh, They bought them up uh, like corporate vampires. They sucked the life out of them, laying off journalists. Uh, They have overseen the encrapification of local news uh, and they were allowed to do this. It's rare a politician goes so deep on that, Ben, and people know you're a former Bell Media employee. What yeah. was your reaction to the B.C. Premier going so deep on that? Well, I don't think it's just him. I think uh, if, if you're on the left of the political spectrum, you do not like big companies. Look at what Jagmeet Singh did over, uh, over the past few days as it relates to the greedy grocery empires. I mean, this is just this is this is they've, they've chosen their villain. I don't have uh, I, I've been there for a lot of the cuts. It is not pretty, yeah. I think. Uh, Bell has uh, has inflicted a lot of these wounds on themselves. But look, um, the, the, the 5G network that we all enjoy and the fiber in your home that we enjoy, that costs money. We have a we have 40 million people in this country and the largest land mass uh, per capita of any country. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of money to build out that infrastructure. And then when the government comes in and tells you you have to sell this at a discount to smaller uh, to, to smaller competitors, I have a, I have some sympathy there. You know, this is not like the United States. It's a smaller place with more people. You can spread those costs over more people. And nobody's not nobody, but the the, the narrative that this is somehow magic technology that doesn't cost anything yeah. is insane to me. Roy, I think about radio. I think about TV. We all have adapted, evolved, get our information different. That's why I love listening to your show. It's for a radio junkie like me. Your show means everything. What's your reaction to yesterday? Bell Canada's story is very sad. I think of the people, thousands losing their jobs. And radio, by the way, is not dead. And I don't believe it's even dying. We have to listen to the people and listen to what they want from radio. Make it exciting and do away with formula radio. Just my view. Uh, I I don't know the ins and outs of Bell. I agree with Ben. Uh, It's a very expensive industry that we're in. And it's evolving. The digital frames or the, the digital reality costs money. But, you know, to drop this bomb on mm-hmm. so many people so unexpectedly um, nationally, it hurts and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help our industry. I appreciate you both being on this morning. I'm fresh out of time. You guys were great. And I'll be listening to both your shows tomorrow. Thanks so much for this. Thanks, guys. Oh, you bet. Ben Mulrooney.
Roy Green. Ben's on seven to ten to more. Roy's on two to five. 